When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Ladies and gentlemen, broadcasting from beautiful South Bermondsey, this is Achtung Millwall. Well, hello, good morning and welcome once again to the Millwall Planet, listening around the globe, from Bombay to Santa Fe and Milan to Yucatan. My name is Nick Hart and you are tuned into episode 25 of Achtung Millwall which is, of course, the number one Millwall fans podcast, provided courtesy of the number one Millwall fanzine, I Left My Heart at Cold Blow Lane. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Uh, didn't we all? Coming up in today's show, we've got reviews of yesterday's two-all draw at Bournemouth. With an excellent new voice to the show, Andy, also known as Hartford Lion, swiftly followed by a regular co-host, Charlie Mahoney, who mulls over the mill scene with myself. Ladies and gentlemen, Christmas is coming, and what better stocking fella for the lion in your life than one of our range of mill t-shirts? There's a truly remarkable range to be found at our website, cblthemag.spreadshirt.com. 
cbltheMag.co.uk that's cblthemag.spreadshirt.co.uk all created by one of London's top designers which is me actually but there we are Profits from the t-shirt site help support the show and contribute towards our regular charitable donations and we appreciate every sale that's made via that site. So anyway, that's enough old chatter for me. Let's get on with the show. Alright, I want to welcome to the show um, a, a new guest on the programme, Andy. Really appreciate you doing this, mate. You're on the way back from Bournemouth at the moment. That's right, mate. Yeah, we're, we're just uh, just literally getting onto the M3 as we speak, mate. Well done for going down there. 990 Millwall fans made it down there today, I, I read on Twitter. Made a good sound. Really? Good, it's yeah. more, it's more than, I have to say, I'm surprised at that. It's seen more because right. the section they gave us to be pretty full. I don't know how many tickets they actually gave us in the end, but... There were people standing in the aisles and stuff. So right, you maybe, know, maybe a few pay on the day or something. I mean, that was that was the official figure that was put out on Twitter. But um, certainly they came over loud and clear. I, I managed to catch the game on a, a live feed on, on the internet. My notes at the end of that first half, Andy, was not forty-five minutes of punishment. I mean, it must have been awful for you down there at half time. Yeah, it was. I mean, first five. It's like you know the old cliche game of two halves. Don't want to say that. Yeah. A game of two different mill walls. <laughs> first half, first five ten, they didn't look much, we didn't look much, not a lot going on. Then all of a sudden, they just started to press. And, yeah. and our back four, I have to say, was all over the place, mate. And they were, they were pulling us apart. Um, we looked dodgy everywhere. Not just, I mean, not just, you know, not singling out players. I think all four that he had at the back. Dunny made the odd mistake. Yeah. Um, the two centre-halves looked panicky, I yeah. have to say, up against them. And they didn't, you know, we have to remember, they didn't have their two top scorers out today. You know, they, they were both injured. Yeah. So the fellas that have been doing all the damage in this, this league were injured. We're missing, yeah. Uh, Malone was off his game, and we just looked, uh, and it, to be honest, when the first one went in, that it could have, we could have been four down by then. Right, OK. Um, so it was it was just one of them where you turn around, I turn around to my boy who's with me and said that was coming. That's yeah. been coming for ten minutes. And then we just looked absolutely appalling after that, you know, for the rest of the half. They they, they just poured forward and, and they were all over us and we just looked shockingly bad at the at the back. Yeah. Um we had nothing going forward, it was tip that, tip that, poof. Tip that tips up to who Gregory up front on his own. Yeah. Strange decision for me, and I'm not going to have a pop all away. I think it's easy to do that. Yeah. But strange decision. Lee Martin, where I have to say, look what looked to me like a very late one on him, and he's had to go off. Yeah. And uh, he's brought on Jermaine Easter, and he's just like, what the hell are you doing? You yeah. Know, I'm sorry. You know, I think, I, I think everybody in, in the crowd felt like that. And then, of course, they just go, and there we go, you know, the second goes in. And, you know, I thought it was going to be like last season, except I didn't see where the two was going to come from. I mean, it looked like game over from where I was sitting at half-time there, Andy. I mean, it must have seemed so down there at, um, at Dean Court. Um, second half, he's, he, he took off Beavers, didn't he, for the second half, and brought Fuller into the game. He took off, he took off Beavers. 
fingers. And what it looked like to me, um, I don't know whether this is what he did. Sean Williams very definitely went back into the back four. Yeah. Right, and this is going to sound very weird because I think that's a waste of a player. But of course, we all know that we came back from it. Yeah. So, you know, I have, I have to say, I have to say that if that's what he did, right? But Sean Williams was very definitely what looked like a back three, and it looked like Williams, uh, Webster, and Dunn. Yeah. And it looked to me like he told Scotty Malone to go almost left wing. Yeah. Back, yeah. You know what I mean? But, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was almost like a three-five-two. Yeah. Because uh, the guy came into the game, but he brought Fuller off. Yeah. And that, to me, is what changed the game. To be honest, mate, is when he brought Fuller on. Yeah. We seemed to go to a, like almost like a three-five-two. Yeah. I have to say, Gregory for me was a bit anonymous. He worked hard, didn't really do a lot. But Fuller, for me, changed the game for me. Um, uh, and as you well know, you know, 70 minutes in, we had, we had it was a weird second half because the first, I'd say, after, after he sorted out the substitution, yeah, right, especially Fuller, Engay came on a bit later. Yeah. But um, we, we settled down. We had 10 minutes where we were all over them. Then we did that typical thing that we've been doing at home recently, whereas we almost kind of, Looked like we'd given it up. Yeah. 2-0, yeah, yeah. And we let them play in front of us again. We, we, we went back behind the halfway line, having had 10 minutes where we were on top. Yeah. And um, let them play in front of us. And then he brought Engayi on for Walford. And uh, it seemed to change again. And we went, we started going forward. And of course, um, we got the goal. Yeah. I've, I've got good work. Hello. Good, good, I've got on my notes here. Good work by Fuller. He seemed to hold the ball up nicely, as he Absolutely. as as he often the does. Down, the ball went down the right. Yeah. And he held it up. He had no support. He held it up. Did, he did. You know, if you were at the Watford game, he did a lot of it there. As he, well. did. he held the he ball did. up. Yeah. Knocked it in, uh, and there it was. You know what I mean? It was. It was. Uh, and at two one, right? We we were we had. I would say 15, 20 minutes where we were all over them. Okay. All over them. Yeah. Um, and we hit the bar. Yep. Um, and then, well, but, but there was always a danger, mate. They, as you know, they played with a couple of wide players. Yeah. And with Malone, and with Malone kind of pushing on, yeah. we were very exposed down our, our, their right, our left. We were very exposed. And um, one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen in a football match. Right. We're at 2-1. They've gone for they've broken forward. Two of them just with ball. Two on, two on one. Well, that defence is nowhere. The fellas passed it forward to his feet. <laughs> I don't know how explain it. It is about, you know... We got out of jail free there, Andy, didn't we? Got out of jail, mate. We did, we did get out of jail completely because our defence was nowhere. But to be fair, I think, you know... I did like the way he, he went with what I, I consider to be a free, but as I said to you earlier, we came back from it, so you've got to say it kind of worked. But that could have been 3 1. The fellow's only got a slotted pass forward, and he decided yeah. to, to play it forward to his mate who's, who's you know, 25 yards offside. You he, know? he would have had some words. He would have had some words when we got back in the dressing room there, Andy, I think, don't oh, you? Listen. 
Hey? Listen, I think that I think he's, uh, he's had it. Now, right? <laughs> anyway, so of course we go up the other end. We go up the other end, and what I saw again, you know, um, it's a penalty to us all day long. Right, right. But the shot came in. To be honest with you, I don't know who hit the shot. But he said, I could see it from where I was. He hit the guy, hit the fella, bang on the arm. Yeah, right? yeah. There's no, there's no way it's not a penalty. No. To me, and I'll be honest with you, there's a hole in my knowledge here. My son might be out of that because I never saw any guy his goal. Right. Because I'm calling the referee everything up. <laughs> giving the penalty, right? So I'm not concentrating. And then everyone around me starts jumping up and down. And while I'm having, uh, while I'm, <laughs> While I'm questioning the referee's parents, of course, yeah, uh, and whether he may might be a, pe- uh, a part of a female anatomy, um, <laughs> we've gone and got back into it. It's too each. And we're two two, and we're two two, mate. And, and it was we were a different team, you know. It, that was what what uh, was eighty seven minutes. Yeah, before. very very late in the yeah, game. Eight, yeah, eighty eight minutes. Yeah. Four minutes extra time, squeaky bum, but to be honest, they never really came to look like doing anything in that six minutes. I think it's not I think that not not the stuffing out the fact that we come back. Yeah. Um after say, second half, different Millwall football team for the first half. First time, first time you and me have spoken to each other, Andy. So I just want to get your take on Ian Holloway. What would you make of him as a manager? Are you Mate, I always have been. I thought when we appointed him, he, he was the perfect fit for Millwall. But I must admit, I'm now starting to fade in with a few of the things that he does, yeah. which I can't find any reason in for. No. I think the, the decision first off the day when Martin got injured, for me, right, you take, you put Walford out on the left or all Malone, yeah. which is what he did in the second half anyway, yeah. and you bring on a bench. You said to me, right? So maybe that was what the time for a guy to come on. Yeah. Jermaine yeah. Easter, for me, offered nothing. And that was the strangest decision. Um, outside of that, I have to say, and I think it's what, I mean, I spoke to a lot of fellas today, you know, just chatting to people like you do. Yeah. And, and the biggest thing for me is, you know, although we've scored two goals today, you know, we haven't, we our strikers haven't scored unless you count the guy. Yeah. And it's, it's the evidence that, you know, the, the evidence that there is that we just so desperately need a goal scorer. And yeah. I know it's easy for us to, to stand there, but I've been, you know, I've been going down there since, I'm 53 years of age, I've been going down there since I was six. Yeah. And I know it's easy for us to turn around and say, well, it's obvious for us, why is it obvious for you? But I genuinely believe that he ain't seeing it because it's been there since the end of last season and all of this season, and I think it needs to be addressed. And it's starting to frustrate me that he doesn't appear to be willing to address the issue of the striker. I mean, it's, and, it uh, seems to me, Andy, that we, we play at our best when situations are enforced on us. I mean, the second half, we've got to go forwards. He took out Beavers, so we've got to get the ball forwards and go after the game. And that's when we're at our best. We're playing two strikers and we're, 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 we're going at it. I can't imagine why he doesn't start the game with that intent. I, and I think the issue is, mate, and I absolutely 100% agree with you, we look a better side 
with Muller and Gregory on the pitch. Certainly do. With two playing up top. Absolutely. And I have to say, if you play, I think Gregory will be a player. Yeah. Right? I hope we don't get on his back the traditional Millwall way. <laughs> I think he'll be a player. But to block a kid from non-league into... Or the conference, yeah. I suppose not. Non league, yeah, 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 yeah. And and stick him up top on his own, yeah. In, in the championship, I think it's asking a lot of the kids. It's not fair on him, I and, don't uh, think. No, no. I, I don't think it's fair on him. And you're away to the team that are top of the league. Yeah. All right. So it's a tough call. I, I agree with you. We look a better side with with, with two up front. Yeah. He does. We know he doesn't. He's got a record of saying he doesn't play, he play that way. I don't get why, you know. And I think it, you know it's evident to me today that we look a better side with those two. I think the one issue is, and I don't know whether there's any truth on this. It's one of those things that goes about the club between yeah. the fans that Fuller can't do ninety minutes, and maybe that's his problem because. Let's face it, we ain't got anybody else. He's, to me, Easter isn't, isn't a championship footballer. And beyond him, again, this is the striker issue. Yeah. I actually think, I have to say, I think elsewhere on the pitch, we ain't a bad side. I think Sean Williams has got to be one of the best midfield players in the, in, in the championship. I'd agree I with that. Superb, superb against today, although my boy thinks Upson was our man of the match. I'd, I'd put it between him and William, but that, that's our two centre midfield players. Yeah, I think across the centre of the park, we're a decent side, and, a, and our, our best midfield is as good as any, maybe not as good as anybody in the league, but as good as, as most. most teams, yeah, yeah, as good as most and better than many. Yeah, right? I don't think our back four's that bad. Uh, with Wilkinson back in it, has he got the balls to drop Alan Dunn? I don't know, but. I certainly think that Wilkinson, Webster, Beavers, Malone as a back four ain't a bad call. No. We've we got... ain't a bad side, mate, when we play. But getting back to the Holloway thing, he seems never be, to be prepared to pick that side that I think could win us games. Well, we've got a big Christmas uh, coming up, haven't we? I mean, there's a lot. Christmas is always a landmark in the season. And, you know, we need to start getting results soon, Andy. Otherwise, we're in for a tough a tough second period of the season, yeah. that's for sure, mate. Uh, and, I, and I think, unless he does something in Jack quickly and in January, early in January, uh, not the old Kenny Jackie thing of waiting until the last day of the, the window. Yeah. He's got to address the striker issue. As I say, I don't think we're that badly off elsewhere on the park. I really don't. If he doesn't want to play with wingers, we got, you know, we got a decent midfield. We can play four across the middle yeah. without without wingers. We can play the two boys up front. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, as I say, with Holloway, he seems not to want to do that. I'm still behind him all the way because I don't think there's anybody else out there. A and B, I think he's a good foot fit for our club. I think he's. He is a bit barking mad. <laughs> he does make some very odd decisions, but I think I think I think he's, I think we'll be good for him, and he'll be good for us if you see what I mean. I do, mate. That's fantastic, Andy. Really appreciate right, your time, mate. mate. Just Fa- have to say, can I go on record? Yeah. Right? 
that support is just unbelievable, mate. I know you know this, yeah. right? That support, looking at our recent results, where we are in the league, what's been going on at the club and everything else. If it was nine out, let's call it a thousand, right? Yeah. A thousand people down there. We made more noise than they did. We had the usual old bill all over everybody, right? Stewards, ladies, lined in front of us. Yeah. Um, police lined in front of us. You know, police turning their backs to the Bournemouth fans, giving us loads of lit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any mill fan that gave it back was getting filmed. All yep. of that. So we get all the normal police that Mill will get. First half, that team did not deserve that support. But second half, they probably did. But just want to go on record and say how brilliant our support is again today. Nicely put, and mate. They, they, in a lot of ways, they deserve better. But we all know as Millwall fans, we, we, it's an hard life, mate. Ain't that the truth? Very nicely put, Andy. I appreciate that, mate. All right. Have a good trip home. Drive safely, mate. Bye bye. Welcome back after the break, and a big, big welcome to Charlie Mahoney. Really appreciate you doing the show tonight, Charlie. No worries. How are you doing, Nick? Well, I'm better. Mrs. Hart's down there with a lurgy, so um, I was going to go down there to Bournemouth today, um, but I, I took the non-real wall route of, of showing affection for my wife and looking after her for the day <laughs> instead. I don't know how that's going to play with the clientele that listen to the show, Charlie, badly. Well, I don't think that will be accepted. No, I don't <laughs> think it will. <laughs> so, no, I finished up watching it on a live stream. I think you caught it on the live stream too, mate, didn't you? did as well but um i'm pretty unaffectionate so it was just a matter of watching the stream because i chose to <laughs> i'm gonna start us off our conversation obviously two all draw today i'm gonna start us off with a thread that's on on hoff uh, at the moment i just think it sums everything up in in two or three comments really so this is a post by a bloke calls himself let the good times roll and he's posted on there that this season We've had five comebacks from two goals down or more. Um, Reading, which we lost, of course. Wolves was three each. Blackburn, two all. Brentford, three two loss. And now today, a two all draw at, at Bournemouth. So, five times this season, we've gone two goals behind only to stage a comeback of, of some sort. Um, and he makes the, the valid point that um, once, is a, once is lucky, twice might be a coincidence. But five times tells you that the manager should be should stop fucking about, as he puts it. I think that's quite a neatly put point. Um, and then it's answered by um, post by a bloke called Hugh Curran, who says he's going about the poxy possession football we're playing. It's the self same poxy possession football that's getting us back into these games, having gone gone by gone down to two goal deficits. It really sums up the whole dilemma for me, Charlie. I don't know what to make of the, of the season so far. I think the fact that we're going down two or three goals in games is just symptomatic of the fact that it is quite easy to score past us without having to do a lot as well. Because for me, Bournemouth never really left second gear, even at 2-0. Uh, I would say that Wolves never really looked like they should have been 3-0 up against us, and it might have flattered Blackburn as well. So it does kind of make you question the defence itself as well. Our defence in the first half, I thought our defence was, was shockingly poor. It's almost like they weren't there. And I know we often say things like this in, in, in you know in a football context because you get emotional. But Bournemouth are going past us like a knife through butter. And you know, you'll see better defending at Beckton Park tomorrow morning and you think, well what what is going on here? Because these are highly paid professional Footballers, and it was, it was almost like they weren't at the races at all today, and especially in that first half. I think it's worth saying that they had plenty of chances to take the lead before that 
and uh, there was just absolutely no nothing in the way of a response from us really uh, we were almost totally unable to take the ball into their final third so it was just a complete onslaught in that first 45 minutes I mean, it surprised me really. I mean, I suppose Alan Dunn at right back is. Uh, it feels unfair to say he's the weak link um, because he is a, a man of some respect at the Den, and um, we'll you know we'll we'll know what he can do for the side in in leadership terms. But with the loss of, of Wilkinson, um, you know, to, to the sending off the uh, few games ago, it's left a real hole in defence. But that doesn't excuse the central defenders who today were very very poor. And generally, Beavers and Webster will be my first choice of, of central defence. It's it's worth mentioning that a lot of us were pleased with the fact that he hadn't changed the back four from last week because a lot of people feel that's been the cause of a lot of the problems. I, I would stick with that partnership as well. And I know what you're saying about Dunn, but there were just basic sort of rudimentary things that they're not getting right that are inexcusable at any level, really. Yeah, um, it, I mean we were powder puff light in the first half. We the first goal I've just got some notes here. It was it was a um, a crossfield ball. Um, seemed to be unchallenged from what I can remember of it um, for one nil. And then a couple of minutes later, poor defending again, neat passing movement, and bang, it was it was two nil. And we just looked like we we're going to get a hiding at that stage, Charlie. I was genuinely amazed that we've managed to make it to half time with just a two goal deficit. But Bournemouth could and perhaps should have been winning by a greater margin. Yeah, I mean, a few tweets I've picked out here. Um, shambolic defending from MFC Liam. Um, Toby Porter, the South London Press Mill, fast asleep. And some bloke called Fryker who called it disgraceful. Um, it's. What can you say? I mean, that was the first 45 minutes. I was just talking, uh, prior to you and me talking, I was talking to Andy at the, was at the game. He said it was like two mill walls. You've got the, the mill of the first half, which looked like they couldn't, you know, couldn't defend for Toffee. And in the middle of the second half, we actually showed some bollocks and got back into the game. What, what, what do we make of this? I, 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 can't, I can't get my head around it. I don't actually know what to say anymore. Well, we came out in the second half and we began to play reasonably well, although I initially sort of thought that was because Bournemouth quite understandably uh, failed to regard us as much of a threat. But as that half developed, it emerged that we were playing with a genuine sense of dominance. So... It wasn't a matter of just Bournemouth taking their foot off the gas, really. I think we actually managed to to convince ourselves that we weren't miles away from anyone in this division and started to play a bit of football. When we believe in ourselves, and also when we're enforced into these situations, I think that's that's the key point that I, I, you know, we, we keep taking out of every game. I can't say just this game. But we, we went two goals down, as we seem to on a regular basis. Uh, there was a change at half time. It Fuller came into the game at half time. So then we um, we're, we're playing with two a two man attack. Beavers left the game. So this is enforced on us at this stage. We're two goals behind. We've got to come chasing the game, and that's when we start to show some metal. And that's when we start to show the spirit that is in the side. It's got to be said there is bottle in this team, but it only seems to come to the fore when when we're we're on the on the, on the back foot. Well, I suppose it's a microcosm of what happened last season as well. We only started to perform when it really bloody mattered. But I was kind of hoping that that would be put right this year. Uh, I didn't want a repeat of that. And uh, the, the strange thing about it is that I don't think it's this conscientious tactical plan that some people are trying to make it out to be. I just think the the only thing we can take away from it is that this team does have resilience, uh, even on an occasion when we've played horrendously at stages. So... If I'm looking for silver linings, if we aren't quite good enough to perform well for the entire 90 minutes of a game, 
this might be a quality that will prove to be a necessity rather than a luxury this season. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it's very laudable. You're, you're, you're right. I mean, it, this team does have it does have something extra. There is there is more to it than that first forty five that we saw today, which was shockingly poor. You've got to keep coming back to the manager on this, Charlie. And I, I you know, I, I made this point with Andy earlier on, so we'll, we'll make it again because I think it's a regular repeat statement that we seem to make after pretty much every game. It seems at the moment, doesn't it? You've got this bizarre, madhouse decision-making by Ian Holloway. All right, today he's named a, an unchanged side, but still there's this persistence with the one up top and there's this persistence obsession with playing beautiful football, which is at times pleasing, but it's not as effective as when we have to go back to the wall and start getting the ball forwards and start chasing the game. There's got to be a lesson in that to be learned, I would hope. Yeah, maybe we should take something from the way that we're throwing caution to the wind and implement that into the actual approach itself because if we can find a way of supplementing this kind of nonsense with a few more wins we've got a genuine chance of transforming ourselves from a struggling side into a stable or dare I say even a strong one yeah, I mean, we're not that far. I mean, there's a couple of points that were made in the week on, on the news at Den. I think Holloway was um, talking about working on the, on the on the final third, and I think Upson made the point to Alex about the side not being that far off the pace, that we were just a few you know millimetres from being a decent team. And and I actually believe in that. I actually I think you think that's correct. And a goal scorer clearly is what we're lacking. We we you know we've lacked it for some time. We've lacked it all this season. Um, but we don't help ourselves. Holloway, Holloway doesn't help himself with this bizarre kind of um, tactical setup that that puts Lee Gregory, a young a youngster in, in in league terms, isn't he? He's not long come out of the non-league world, and he's being used as a, as a lone target man, or else pushed into some strange wide positions at times. But I actually can't get my head around what the thinking is behind these decisions, and that's what bothers me. It was uh, bizarre, as you say. Uh, Gregory was actually trying to hold the ball up about 30 yards away from goal at one stage in the first half, with no one remotely near him. So it wasn't just a matter of uh, Gregory getting used to playing at this level and, and getting used to playing in that role. It just does not work. And I think that's emphasised by the fact that when we changed the approach in the second half, with Fuller playing, everything seemed to just come together a little bit more easily. Oh, entirely. I mean, we've got, hey, we've got two up front. Fuller is a quality striker. Yes, he's you know he's at a certain stage of his career, and he probably isn't a a forty six game starter over the course of a whole season. But when he does come into the side, he brings a touch of quality, Charlie, doesn't he? His ability to hold the ball and his strength on the ball, I think, is something special, and that does bring other players into it. Particularly Lee Gregory, who I didn't think was the best today, but other players around him start to create chances, and we look a lot better with two strikers up front. Well, um, as we sort of um, picked up on Holloway said in the week that he's hoping that we click in the final third and for large portions of the game we were found wanting in that department and I certainly don't think today's result allows us to gloss over it because you look at where the two goals have come from and they're from midfield positions but uh, if we if we are going to click in the final third then I think what has to happen there is that we need more stable options than Fuller and Gregory I, I think they're both admirable players I think they both bring something to the team but I'm not sure they're going to do it at the most effective rate if they're being relied upon in the way that they are at the moment no I mean I, I, I made a few notes as the half went along watching it on the on the, on the TV earlier on 
And, you know, I, I think we look better. We improved in the second half. If I'm honest, if, I'm, if I was on the psychiatrist's couch with you, I'd say I didn't really believe we'd ever going to get back into the game. But then we got that, that, uh, that lifeline, that goal on the 74th minute, which was, again, great work by Ricardo Fuller, holding the ball up, and, and a kind of a looping cross, which seemed to be headed in by, um, by Ed Upson, I think it was. Um, and that seemed to that seemed to galvanise us at that point. Until then, we, we had a couple of chances, I think, but I'm not sure I believed in the side to, to the extent of pulling back another two-goal deficit this time around, not at Bournemouth anyway. Well, as we've mentioned, even with the uh, previous results and the previous situations of us coming back into games, I, I was convinced that the game was over at 2-0. Yeah. Uh, I dare say I was even hoping for a bit of damage limitation in the second half. But... Yeah, we came out well, and I think, as you mentioned, with Ed Upson scoring, I think we scored that at a crucial time because it was done with enough time left for it not to be a consolation goal, but also a right amount of time to sort of make Bournemouth panic, really. Yeah, it seemed to rattle them. I, I think they, the script was that they, they overran us in the first half quite easily without too much effort. I think the script from their, their perspective was that they might you know have to weather a little bit of a storm, which I suppose they would have thought they did at the start of the second half. And then we were, I thought we were fading slightly by about the midpoint of the second half. I didn't think we... I thought we'd, we'd, you know, we'd busted our flush by that stage. I didn't think we were going to get back into it. And I don't think they'd believe that either. And then out of the blue, this this goal came and that, that, that changed everything. We got out of jail big time, though, Charlie, with that um, late disallowed goal that they scored, which was um, a breakout from defence, wasn't it? And um, he, he passed the ball forwards in the, and made the man in, into an off, offside position, which was, um, I thought, was schoolboy error. Uh, schoolboy so, error. Uh, very strange, actually. And uh, I listened to Eddie Howe's interview after the match, and they were asking him, you know, does he see that as a turning point? And in quite an admirable fashion, he said that he didn't want to single those two up because they're young lads and that's not part of the way that he, he treats his team after a game. But let's be frank about it. If they'd managed to do the correct thing there and put the ball in the back of the net, look, there would have been no um, remote possibility of a Millwall comeback. No, that would have killed us. It would have killed us off there and then. I, I must admit, as I watched the break unfold, I said to my wife, who wasn't really interested, but I said it to her anyway, oh, we're done for here. This is it. The game's up. You know, There would have been a brave fight back, but that would have been your lot at that point. And then he passed the ball forwards, made the man offside. And it's almost like a, it's the basic lack of um, you know knowledge of the rules of the game at that point, isn't it? And um, that let us off the hook. Shades of Cholton last week as well with the opportunity that they missed, I think. Yeah, I know. We, we seem to be getting lucky a lot. Um, but then, we, you know, you've, you've also got to say, and this is a fair point, we, we rode our luck because we then got to go back down the other end and make them pay for that mistake because yeah. that was the next... You know that was the next thing that had to be done, and, and lo and behold, we did it. Um, a nicely worked goal in the end. I thought it was a, a nailed-on penalty. The, the ball seemed to be bobbling around in that uh, Bournemouth penalty area, struck the man on the hand. Although I don't think we were going to get that decision, and it fell to um, Magui Gway who banged it home, as he as he seems to in critical situations this season. Very nicely done, I thought. Yeah, it was a great goal. Uh, he hasn't done a lot for us this season in terms of featuring, but he's really. Uh, produce the goods when we've needed him to and uh, I do see flashes of quality there even if I can sort of understand why he's not been starting on a regular basis I mean to all and we got out of jail and that, that you know everyone goes home and you know it's gone we've lurched from one of the shocking performances of the season into everyone feeling happy and getting back on the trains and on the, onto the M3 coming home thinking that they've had a, a good day out and, and, and so they have that's football 
but it does leave behind a lot of question marks. I mean, question marks that are building and building over the course of the season. I mean, I was reading in, in the week on, on News at Den, um, Holloway's quoting Willy Wonka as his, as his inspiration. I mean, I know there's a laugh in it, and, you know, I know, I know that it's, it's humour in, 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 a, in, a, in a dark situation. But you've got to wonder what goes through the man's head at times. I mean, it's, it's an odd combination. He wants to play decent football, and I see what he's trying to do. But then there's this, there's, there's an element of the madhouse about it all, isn't there? I used to hope that there was a sort of Claudius syndrome to it, that he was trying to make people uh, <laughs> underestimate him, really. But it does seem to be a bit arbitrary, and it doesn't. It, you know, it's all very well when you when you get a win and he comes up with a great line or something slightly obscure that makes people laugh. But when you don't get the result that you're looking for, it can be quite grating. Um, I, I, I think uh, he needs to kind of. Mate, take note of that and realise the effect of what he what he's saying. But at the same time, I've also got to take into account that Holloway has always said these things, even well before we came to Millwall. So I kind of expect it at the same time. I wrote down the word Caligula at one point, which might be a bit harsh on him. The Emperor Caligula was was a you know bloodthirsty tyrant, so I don't think I don't really put him in that. But I wrote it down nevertheless. I've got this expectation that you know his dog's going to be made into assistant manager or something, or the horse is going to you know turn up as a kit kit um, kit washer or something at some stage. Very bizarre interview. He quoted Willy Wonka as his. Uh, he went to see the musical Willy Wonka in the West End and 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 the dream. If you dream it, Charlie. If you imagine it, you can make it happen. Happen, um, which I don't know what relevance that has to the football world. But this was this was an interview he had with with News at Ten in the week. I, I kind of see where he's trying to go with us as a club. He wants to develop this idea of a uh, a seamless club, doesn't he? Where the, the youth teams, all the way up to the first team, are playing a continental style passing passing and move style of, of play, and he wants everyone to fit into that. And in a way. Our biggest problem at the moment is we're locked into this philosophy that probably isn't going to produce short-term results, possibly in the long term, but not in the short term. I think there's an underlying aspect as well of... uh, He's trying to point out that we don't really have the resources now, so it's important to dream and think about the long-term future because we just don't simply have the money to go out and uh, supplement the the front line or other departments in the way that we, we really would like to. I'm going to use this uh, opportunity to take a little break and play Tomorrow, Tomorrow from the musical Annie at this stage. We'll be right back after these messages. The sun will come out tomorrow So you gotta hang on till tomorrow Come what may Tomorrow, tomorrow I love you Tomorrow, you're only I don't know. I mean, there we are. We are now twentieth. We've dropped down um, a couple of uh, couple of uh, league positions. Uh, what are we? Two points above the third relegation spot. I think we're in for a tough a tough period ahead, Joe. We've got a tough Christmas ahead. Um, Very tricky series of fixtures. 
we're conceding goals, as, as we all know. I mean, OK, we're scoring them, but um, without any great faith in a, in a front line to get those goals. But nevertheless, we are clinging on by our fingernails at the moment. Um, we seem to have had a bit of a rough time on the on the on the loan market this week. We couldn't arrange for anyone to come to us other than uh, players whose you know parent clubs blocked the move to to another uh, championship side. So we 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 don't see much on the horizon um, loan wise. There's talk for, again from news at Den of we're looking at strikers in in League One. Uh, Owen, what's his name? Doyle, Owen Doyle from Chesterfield, yeah. who I don't know, but a decent striker apparently in League One terms. Um, I mean, obviously, if we can bring in someone that can start getting us goals, that's going to be the key to survival this season. Big January ahead. I agree, actually, and it was highly disappointing the other day when we didn't manage to bring anyone in on loan, and I think that's likely to have an adverse effect on us over the course of the next few matches, but... If we're looking for a plus side, then missing out on signing a forward in the loan market might mean that we're actually slightly more ambitious in January, particularly when we consider that the loan market doesn't really offer much more than what we already possess. No. I mean, we've sent Matthias Renegi back from whence he came back to Watford with no great regret there. Um, I mean, he, he was a, a poor a poor loan signing. Obviously, whoever we, we bring in has the, has the pressure of... Um, needing to get goals for us because that's the only purpose to bring someone in on a temporary basis. We've retained Jermaine Easter this week as well. I don't know if you saw that that story online. Um, he was going to be loaned out, but we've retained him. He, he, I quite like Jermaine Easter. I know that we've we've mentioned him before. Um, he always shows willingness and, and fight, and he, he does the work side of the of, of the job, doesn't he, Charlie? Yeah, I, I would suggest that Easter's level perhaps is now in League One, but similarly, I admire his confidence and his determination to fight for a place. And I don't think that's a particularly perverse decision on his part because we're Fred Bear up front and he's actually still featuring on a regular basis, isn't he? Fred Bear's a good choice of word with Fred on your dimmer going off on, on a, a month's loan to, to Wickham. I, I, I see the point and purpose of this. I, I, I suppose the youngsters, you know, maybe we're all over um, overdoing the amount of hope that we should invest in our youngsters, but I, I really did believe that Fred had a, should be playing, you know, um, more regularly in the first team. But he's gone off to Wickham now to try and get some regular first team football. As far as the other youngsters are concerned, we're still not seeing any sign of them at this, at this stage. And I, again, that's another question mark for me over Holland. You know, we, these, these are our future, and these these are games that we're not exactly setting the world alight in. So why aren't we seeing some of these youngsters, perhaps individually, starting or coming off the bench? Yeah, I said before, I really hope it's not a false dawn in terms of our youth development. It seemed like it was going in the right direction, and I'm sure there's some very good work being put into the academy. But I was hoping that Powell and uh, particularly Fred would push on this year. Yeah, no, indeed. I mean, we've apparently we've made another fresh attempt to sign uh, Matt Smith in the week, which was thwarted by Fulham up, up front. Um, we do need some some pizzazz from somewhere sometime soon that's going to start banging in goals for us because we cannot continue to exist on this kind of bread and water diet that we've got at the moment, in striking terms anyway. I think we're going to be benefited greatly with the return of Wilkinson. I, th- I think his third game out must be the next one, and then we can play him again after that. If uh, I don't know what we're doing with the, the loan beyond that stage, but he was a big asset to us, I thought, and a big loss when, when he was uh, sent off the other week. Yeah, again, I, I don't want to pin all the blame on Dunn, but I think that's a position that really is important to us, and something that we've struggled with for several years now. 
it looked like it was going to be resolved with the signing of Carlos Edwards, but we were just so unlucky with his long-term injury, and that's why it's pivotal to get Wilkinson back in the side, I think. Yeah, completely, completely. Um, so yeah, there we are. Um, a, a, a difficult, um, a difficult situation, and a contradictory situation in many respects, Charlie. I mean, I, I, I find myself moaning a lot, and yet I can't um, belie the fact that we've pulled off a two-all draw at a very good side, um, top six side, probably uh, a team bound for the Premier League, and yet we've gone there and by hook and by crook, we've come away with a point, and we should be feeling happy. But some something in me tells me there's 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 a lot of doubts knocking around our side as as matters stand. I think it's a great point, and I, I will never knock um, Amir Ward's side that manages to show real bollocks, particularly if they do it on a regular basis. But I think it would just be naive to dismiss the reservations that people have with this team at the moment. I think we, we're not out of the woods by any stretch of the imagination, and if we don't uh, address certain aspects, then we're not going to move up the table anytime soon. No, I mean, I suppose I just want to also make the point that despite the moaning and the groaning and, you know, the general kind of, um, I don't know, the malaise that we find around the, the, the club at times, um, I'm not anti-Holloway. I actually, I actually want him to do well. I, I, I can see where he's trying to take us, Charlie. I, I, I get what he's trying to achieve with us. And long term, I think these plans are are sound. I think if we can produce some kind of, um, I don't want to use the word football factory, but because it's got different connotations, but um, a, a club that produces his own talent, plays to a certain style from top through the bottom, that's entirely in keeping with Mill's traditions. And I think everyone's got to get behind that. And there's also, to be quite frank, there's no one else around that we could probably afford that's going to do any better. But it's, it, it, we we live in the moment, don't we? We live result by result, and at the moment. Each result is starting to look like a, a, a little nail in our coffin. Yeah, I, I think um, the resilience that we do have might be a real plus side, but I would like to think that we can actually uh, win games and, and even draw games without having to be 2 0 down, really. So, yeah, I think it is that balance, isn't it, between the individual results and the fact that if, if uh, we manage to, to get a bit of form going and Holloway will have a real opportunity to implement a long-term plan. Too true, too true. We're going to close out the uh, the show now with just one last story. I just want to mention um, the Millwall poppy seller, Sean McCarthy, who stands outside of Cannon Street Station each year, takes a couple of weeks off. He also was selling at the last home game, which was Brentford, wasn't it? And he's achieved an incredible t- uh, total charge. £60,000 he's made this year for the Royal British Legion, purely by selling poppies and poppy badges of various football clubs, the whole of London, um, and various kind of um, poppy, poppy designs that he does. And this year, last year he made thirty-eight thousand, and this year he's made sixty thousand. That's absolutely incredible, isn't it? What credit to our club that man is! I, I, I take my hat off to him, particularly because I think he takes a couple of weeks off work to do it as well. So it's a totally selfless gesture for a fantastic cause. Entirely. I mean, you know, we we've just spent the best part of this show moaning and groaning about a game of football, and in the end. Gestures like this show the true nature of our of our support and and who we really are, and you know in a week where again we've seen uh, you know people running on a pitch at Tottenham and doesn't get anything like the publicity we get if it happened at our place. This is the true face of Millwall, and I, I want to close the show today by paying tribute to Sean McCarthy, Millwall fan through and through. Just raised sixty thousand pounds for the Poppy Appeal. Well done, Sean. That's the show.
listening to Octone Millwall, the CBL Magazine podcast. That's the Millwall News this week, and we are out of here. Thank <laughs> you.